While the Prime Minister is trying to silence his former Attorney yeah. General, he will not silence members of the official opposition. So, so at this point, and this is the point of asking, debate. Thank, thank you. We're going to move to a vote. I do have another Mr. point of order. This is a cover-up. Mr. Assassi? Mr. McKinnon? What a shame. What a shame. Cover-up. Mr. Barrett? Cover-up. No, it's a cover-up. I'm voting against Mr. Cooper? I'm voting against this cover-up. There you go. Today, the Liberals shutting down the uh, pretend investigation into a scandal of their own making. And they are just banking on you forgetting all about it. But putting the politics aside on this thing, okay, because a lot of this does become politics, what is the actual cost? Uh, there's a great piece today in the, uh, and editorially in the Financial Times with a headline, and this is why it caught my attention. The headline reads, quote, Trudeau is making Canada safe for corruption again with the SNC-Lavalin case. Is he? I think, I think it's a fair question to ask, given the mishandling of this case and given the comments made recently by the OECD, uh, OECD this is the international watchdog um, of all things, you know, bribery. And the editorial starts like this, quote, what's old is new again. Before corruption of foreign officials became illegal in Canada in the late 90s, liberal governments blessed bribes that facilitated exports. After the Harper Conservatives came to power in 2006, the tide turns against corruption, with companies such as SNC being prosecuted, much to the chagrin of liberals. Now the liberals are back in power, and thanks to their recent introduction of deferred prosecution agreements, corruption has made a comeback. Let's bring the author of that piece into this conversation, Patricia Adams. She is with Probe International. This is a think tank that uh, rethinks foreign aid, restoring accountability and reinvigorating economies. She joins us now. Good to have you. My pleasure. Hi, Alex. Well, I, I first of all, before I get into the, the body of your, your article, when you heard today that the Justice Committee was shut down, which is not all that of a surprise, your reaction was what? I was stunned. I watched it and I was amazed that the committee, which is charged with investigating the issue of uh, political intervention into the uh, prosecutorial procedure for this particular case against SNC-Lavalin for corruption, uh, would would behave this way, that they would shut down the uh, invitation to the former Attorney General, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, who resigned, uh, ultimately, uh, because of pressure that was put on her to change the, the prosecution from, from going to trial to what they call a, a deferred prosecution agreement. I think a lot of people, certainly there'll be people in the media and or, or certainly um, you know, pundits and political types that will say, look, people are tired of this or fatigued. We've got to get, in, get on with the day uh, of business and get on moving on. Why is it, in your opinion, so crucial to get to the bottom of this? I mean, why should, in your opinion, everyday people care? Because our judicial system is being subjected to political interference. And when that happens, we start to approach uh, countries like China, where there is no difference between uh, the, in the case of China, between the Communist Party and the judiciary. There is no rule of law. Of course, we have rule of law in Canada, but it is under threat. Um, when this sort of thing happens, when when a political party starts to intervene in the judicial process and in the independence of the judiciary and, and the prosecutorial services that we have. Uh, and as Canadians, I think we have to all stand up every time this happens and say, we don't want to go there. 
we want our judicial system to be fair, to be non-political, to uh, make judgments based on crimes uh, and laws that have been duly passed by our legislatures. So it, it, you know, we don't lose our democracy in one night. We, but, but it is possible for it to be steadily eroded. And for that reason, we must stand up and say no, that what we need in this case of SNC-Lavalin is a full trial. Because if we have a full trial, then we will start to find out the details. Mm-hmm. What actually happened? Who knew what? How high up in the firm did it go? Uh, did they get support from anyone in the government? Were they receiving assurances that they would not be prosecuted? Were they receiving financial assistance from from any Canadian government agency? We need to have the details in order to be able to stop this sort of thing from happening again. Yeah, and I remind our listeners, this isn't the only case that they are accused of political interference of. Uh, with. We've got the Mark Norman case, the Vice Admiral also charged before the courts. In that case, they may survive the SNC stuff, but that one's going to come back and also be uh, another problem for them. But, you know, I think we laughed a lot when we heard that uh, the Prime Minister had an admiration for Chinese dictatorships, and maybe he thinks this kind of stuff is okay, but Canadians are always used to, uh, Patricia, being on the best of lists. You know, we come to yeah. know ourselves <laughs> as the moral beacon and always well-behaved. And I think as you point out in your editorial, 2009, Canada was deemed one of the most tolerant of corruption. We were likened to South Africa, mm-hmm. among yes, others. What happened in, in the old days before 1998, uh, it was legal to bribe a foreign official if you got a receipt, if you're a company and you, you could use it as a tax deduction. Uh, the, the Americans did not have such a system. They they had what they call the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. They put pressure on all the other members of the OECD to adopt the same uh, prohibition of foreign bribery. And that's why the OECD passed its convention. We're a signatory to that convention. We introduced a new law in 1999 that makes it illegal to bribe a foreign official. But for 10 years after that, the government essentially ignored the piece of legislation. Now, these were the 10 years in which SNC-Lavalin would have been bribing uh, the Gaddafi government in Libya. They knew it was a crime. They knew it was wrong, but they continued to do it, allegedly. And what we need to figure out is why did they do that? Were they receiving reassurances from someone high up? Did they feel that they had protection from the government? Uh, How did they actually do it? Uh, There was a very interesting case in South Africa, in the country called Lesotho, Mm -hmm. um, in in about the year 2002, when another engineering firm was actually convicted in trials in Lesotho for bribing an an official who is in charge of a dam building scheme. Well, it turned out that the fellow who was the mastermind of the bribe payment scheme was actually the honorary consul from Canada. Uh, to Lesotho. So he was an appointee of our federal cabinet. This was at the time of the government of Jean Chrétien. He was on our payroll. We were paying this man, and he was arranging this bribe payment scheme. Well, eventually, this detail came out in the trial. If they had not had that trial, we would never have known that. Right. So this is the sort of detail that we absolutely must get at uh, in a trial of SNC-Lavalin. Yeah, I mean, there was a change, and I'm not suggesting that Stephen Harper is is the messiah, because he's not. He, he's he got his flaws as well. But really, there was a change when he came into government, because he put forward the same, the very piece of legislation 
that has netted or, or stopped essentially SNC and and caught the Trudeau Liberals um, because he put this legislation in after all of those other liberal um, you know situations the the trouble that they got into them you know with ad scam and all the rest of it he wanted to stop the behavior and if it weren't put in I'm not sure we would know about this today. I think that's right. He did a number of things. He tightened up the legislation. The legislation that was passed in 1999 had a giant loophole in it, which said that the act of bribery had to happen in Canada. Well, he changed that. Harper changed that and said it can happen anywhere. Um, but he also made the director of public prosecutions m- more independent. It still comes under the Department of Justice, but it, he gave it uh, prosecutorial independence. And I think that that was an absolutely crucial thing to do. The other thing he brought in was what's called the integrity regime, which it was, is very tough. It said if you're caught bribing an official, if you're caught um, uh, committing a crime, if you're a corporation, then you will be subject to a 10-year ban on federal contracts. Now, that's an important um, accountability mechanism. Does does the federal government, do we as taxpayers want to deal with companies that are corrupt and have a record of corruption? No. Either there, there's a lot of debate about whether the 10-year rule is too strict, whether there should be more discretion in that, and I think to a certain extent there should be more discretion. But but there absolutely must be a trial because that's when you get the detail out. That has the greatest deterrence effect. That's when heads roll. That's when people go to jail. That's when corporations get disgorged of the benefits that they have reaped from the uh, from the act of bribery. That that is what's most likely to uh, bring in deterrence mm-hmm. in future from from these sorts of. Uh, these sorts of crimes. I mean, if you truly consider yourself a progressive, um, a liberal, which I don't, um, you can't consider yourself a progressive if if you support this, because this is not a victimless crime. I and mean, what we're hearing about, I mean, I think people just say, well, this is all politics. No, we are standing up for a Canadian company that uh, is certainly no moral beacon. Yes, that's right. SNC-11 has a lot of uh, corruption charges against it in close to a dozen countries. This is not the only one. The other thing uh, to keep in mind is that there are a lot of victims to this. One Mm -hmm. of the victims are the other companies that are clean and that that are playing by the rules and are not getting contracts because they don't have friends in high places and they're, they're not able to pay bribes. Um, the the other uh, problem with paying bribes in the case of SNC Lamalan is they they're doing it on domestic projects as well. In the case of the Montreal Hospital, mm-hmm. so uh, taxpayers in that province are going to be paying more for the crimes that SNC Lamalan uh, has committed. In the case of the hospital, uh, in in the case of the third world, I think we we tend to dismiss the people in these countries, uh, and and that is, that's really a terrible thing to do, because the people in these countries are in no position to be paying for this sort of crime. Lesotho, for for example, was a country with a with a per capita income of about six hundred dollars, and and this was really uh, an abomination in their country that Western engineering companies wasn't just Acres, it was several others uh, came in and bribed their their official of a dam building scheme in order to get contracts, and this led to cost overruns and so on for these projects. Well, this hurt these people, and these were very poor people. So the, it, you know we tend to think of them as being victimless crimes, but they aren't. The, the biggest victim of all is that Canada could become known as a country that is soft on crime, where you can buy your way out of a criminal uh, charge.
discouraged by paying a large fine. And, and that really would ha- would be a real drag on the Canadian economy and would harm jobs. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, and just before I let you go, I mean, the, the opposition may be powerless inevitably to get anything done because clearly the, the Liberals do not want the, any transparency on this issue. But the international community is, in fact, uh, watching and the OECD may end up being Trudeau's biggest thorn. Oh, yes. The OECD, I was delighted to see them weigh in. They don't have any power. They can't levy any charges against Canada. It's, it's mostly a shaming that they would, they would issue, that Canada has intervened. I, I think also the other tragedy in this is that the Chinese government is making the case that we should do exactly the thing, same thing for uh, Meng Wanzhou, the the CFO of Huawei, that she is she is now awaiting extradition um, under house arrest in in Vancouver. That that the Canadian government should intervene politically and release her. And they say, well, you, you, the, the Trudeau government's doing the same thing in the case of SNC Laval, and why not do it in her case too? This this really, I think, would shatter. Uh, our reputation. I think it would shatter confidence that Canadians have in our judicial system uh, to be uh, governed by the rule of law and to be outside of politics and above politics. And I think that I think it would hurt uh, th- this country greatly. I think at the in the end, the the, the, the Liberal government may go ahead and issue a DPA for SNC Lavalin, but it would have to. Pay to reckon, uh, I think, with that decision in the next election. <laughs> you would think, but uh, Canada's back, I just don't think, in the way Mr. Trudeau thought. Patricia, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. My pleasure. You can read the piece. It is in the Financial Times. It is well, well worth the uh, the time to read. If on point on Global News Radio.